Hey, it's Ethan. As a love extremist, I'm always searching for the bridges that bring us closer together as humans. Over the course of this podcast, I've learned that when we face major life changes, they can become a connection point for deep inquiry, storytelling, and emotional growth. With that in mind, I'm devoting this current season of Love Extremist Radio to life changes, and specifically focusing on millennials engaging with a life-changing diagnosis. I'll connect with folks from all sides of the medical system to eke out the personal stories and lessons that show up when our bodies let us down. If you like what you hear, subscribe, post a review, and share it with a friend or two. Shoot me a DM at Ethan Lipsitz, that's E-T-H-A-N-L-I-P-S-I-T-Z, once you do, and I'll send you a sweet little piece of wearable art from the Love Extremist crew. Thanks for being here. Hello, Ethan. Aloha, Orion. How's it going? It's going so good. You make it home? Yeah, I got back Wednesday. Nice. Easy trip. Yeah, it was a long one, but feels good to be back. So you were in Colorado, and now you are back. Where in Hawaii are you? I'm on Maui. Oh, amazing. Yeah, you were here like a little bit ago. A little bit ago, yeah. We had a great time. How are you feeling? Are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm feeling good. Not sure what adventure we're going to go, but we're going to go. We're going to go. I think I shared a little bit of backstory. I'm really fascinated with this idea of life changes as almost a token of wisdom. But when we go through major life changes, we inevitably get some learnings, get some knowledge. And as younger folks doing that, maybe a little bit early on in life and being forced to prioritize health, perhaps before we thought we would, I thought, hey, why not talk to some people? And I've been having some really cool conversations with doctors and therapists and people who are in the clinical side of things who have also had their own life changes as well. But I think it's equally, if not more interesting to talk to people like you and me who are in the thick of the evolution and learning a lot through it. Yeah. Yeah, you're thrown into the frying pan. Exactly. But also as an artist, I'm just always highly interested in how the flow goes in a conversation to explore art and life change. Like that intersection is really interesting too. So we both have, you've been an artist for a long time and I think I have two, although I never, I didn't call myself that, but yeah, it's a, it's been an interesting evolution to watch you flourish and grow through this. I'm going to read off your bio, just I grabbed off your site, and then we'll jump into it. Orion Owens is a fine art photographer from San Diego, California. What? His unique approach to photography explores the limits of emerging aerial imaging technologies and their relationship to human creativity and physical accessibility. Owens' abstract and starkly captivating work reveals the similarities between environmental transformation and the process of human rehabilitation throughout time and space. Themes of perception, psychedelia, and environmentalism run throughout Owens' work and offer the viewer an opportunity to wander amongst the details of each abstract landscape. Yeah. Ever since you started doing environmental work, the parallels to the body have been so clear. Was that obvious to you before you threw up a drone and started taking photos? 
it wasn't it probably and it wasn't why i picked up a drone either it just happened as i started shooting and created a series of works that you start to realize all the similarities between nature and your body and all these similar patterns of your nerves and rivers and water and how things spread and i'm a really visual person so through that process and at the same time my injury where you start to see all the similarities so it was like a exploration that kind of just happened so interesting when you start making work and the discoveries present themselves like that i think that's really cool and i remember looking at some of your earlier work and talking to you about it and what what have you what have you learned through that process as you're creating work and discovering these similarities how does that impact you when you think about things like environmentalism or your relationship to the planet my relationship to the planet I would say I feel through my injury I've been a little like disconnected, but then like photography's brought it back, if that makes sense. Are you open to sharing a little bit about your injury and that, yeah, that went down? Because that wasn't really in my bio too much. No. Um, yeah. You just want me to dive into it? Whatever you're comfortable sharing, yeah. Yeah. So I had a spinal cord injury. Five or six years ago, I quit counting. After four, I dove into a lake and I was paralyzed instantly. And I blacked out underwater. My friend found me and gave me CPR and a second chance at life, per se. And yeah, that's led me down the road of aerial drone photography. Before that, I was a photographer and a filmmaker in a more physical sense of a normal able-bodied photographer filmmaker you're doing a lot of work in the ocean right yeah so i did a bunch of work in the ocean i was really comfortable in the water in the hole in the ocean and then i did end up getting hurt in the lake which is a curveball because you i don't expect lakes to be dangerous right or anything of that nature coming from o the ocean and big waves and being in the surf because you're always like that's the gnarly aspect of water totally and then i we met probably around that time as well didn't we yeah we met before that yeah we did and we were actually yeah. hanging out that week and i ended up leaving we were in utah together and yeah. i went home and you were sticking around and hanging maybe for yeah. A longer period of time. And then I heard the yeah, news. Yeah, we met at the Carrasco cabin. That's right. And we were swimming in that lake, I believe, together. No, we did swim in the lake and we did enjoy yeah. the lake. Which well, is, did you feel like there was like almost a betrayal uh, from nature in that regard? Did you have a relationship to the physical landscape then that was like, this is creating limitation, obviously, and like, in my life like after my injury yeah I, I think in the beginning of the life changing injury you just question everything yeah um why me why the injury how is the injury possible <laughs> like everything between your mind can just go everywhere but it was never like a betrayal of 
the water and I still love the water and I still get in the water. Like in Hawaii now, I'm always swimming in the ocean. My friends get me in the water. I'm still comfortable. It's so cool. Um, and you yeah. got on a board a little while ago, right? You were back in. Yeah. Every now and then we get out and surf a little bit. It takes a little bit more time and all my friends help me do it. A couple, like two people, like everything takes a little bit more of a team now. Sure. Um, but that being said, yeah, I still get out in the water and do some surfing. But I honestly, I have more fun just literally floating in the water and swimming around a little bit and just feeling the water and nature and almost like meditating in the water than surfing now. Just be, it just feels more pure laying on a board and trying to ride waves. Yeah, so it's almost more of a pure aspect of like enjoying the rhythm the ocean does it feel almost like you have a relationship there I'm, i guess that's what i've been getting at with all these questions and what i'm thinking about yeah. it's obviously like the ocean and the lake and your life has revolved around water for so long and your work often is related to water not all of it but so much yeah. of it do you feel like you're in conversation with it like how do you relate to it on a personal level yeah honestly yeah, I have a, I still have a good relationship with water, but there was a moment where it was questionable. Maybe two years after my injury, it was more of like I needed some space from it. Right. <laughs> and now I'm back, but yeah, it is a relationship that gives and takes in different ways now. Before I was surfing, it's very like active, and now it's more maybe almost more conversational. Yeah, staring at it and maybe you're, I'm not in it as much but you still see it and you still enjoy it and I still love to photograph it I still love to watch it I still love watching my friends surf and I still love being in the water and yeah, yeah it is a relationship that's changed it's mesmerizing um, did you have help like shifting that relationship working through from the period where you were taking some space and removed from it to getting more comfortable and back in the mix with nature and water specifically? Oh, uh, it was more of just a personal decision where I was like, oh, I'm going to go live somewhere that's not exactly by the ocean and have to see it every day. But then after a little bit of time, like a year away, I was like, I miss it. I miss mm. my friends all around it. I miss like our connection to it, like people who enjoy it as well. And so that kind of brought it, brought it back. And yeah, and there's so many different levels of water, too. Like, in the sense of, like, I've enjoyed post-injury now. Like, rivers and lakes and, like, springs and deltas and all these other water sources that I never explored as much because everything was around the ocean. I think post-injury, I've, like, expanded my mind and horizon to oh, these other forms of water are beautiful as well like what about waterfalls and what about lakes and rivers and all these other places that aren't oceans so yeah that's been a new love that's opened up do you feel like a lot of that is driven by your creative curiosity to take photographs and capture these different environments yeah i would say yeah i'm a curious individual and i think going through a spinal cord injury as a creative or curious individual is one of the biggest benefits I had before I got hurt. Like I was always creative and I was always curious and 
oh, what is this other place that I might be able to enjoy now? Like this other water outlet or this other place that I might have never gone before that I can't explore in a wheelchair and I can get there. And yeah, that's been a blessing as well. I want to dig into that idea of what you can't explore, but also how you've, and in your bio you speak to this, kind of embraced aerial technology to essentially fly. Like, Yeah, it's you, pretty cool. Right? Like, how do you relate to flight? Because you do it in a way. Yeah, this is interesting. There's a couple ways to go about this because, yeah, the drone technology, I got hurt five years ago probably been around for 10 years but yeah about five years ago i'd say the technology really improved and made it accessible to more people than even three years if i would have been hurt like eight years ago right it was still in its infancy yeah but it's yeah it's really allowed i think no matter what you do like physically or mentally like looking to interact with something somehow and so if i can't swim or go surf in the ocean and I could photograph the ocean and I still have this like interaction where it's like giving and taking and enjoying yeah that's how I interact in the air but it's interesting to bring up flight yeah because I would say you're almost interacting with the ocean in a way that most people don't like I look at it differently and I like to do top-down aerial abstract patterns and I can look down at the ocean for hours there's a saying in surfing, no wave is ever the same. If you look straight down on a wave and it's like record for 10 minutes, you just have all these different like reoccurring patterns and like vortexes of foam and crashing waves and they come, they break and they appear and then they disappear and they appear and there's like a rhythm to it. Pretty meditative. Yeah. And I love that about it. Yeah, it's really amazing and experiencing your work everyone listening go to orionowens.com as soon as you possibly can and check this out because the way that you have captured these scenes it's it just even in the still photography not even in the video is really mesmerizing and disorienting in a way because it is abstract and it could be the inside of a body or any number of things it's not cl always clear that you're looking at the earth that's an interesting perspective you bring up too, because a lot of I'm connected to my work, so I always know what it is. But when I show work to people for the first time, they'll always be like, "Oh, is this like something else?" And they don't, they're not really sure what they're looking at sometimes, mm -hmm. or they see it a different way than I see it. And that's always interesting to hear as well, because yeah. like when, yeah, it's really cool. The colors, the saturation, like sometimes it's just so unexpected to see what comes through in a photograph from that vantage point. Yeah, that you've really, you've mastered drone photography and imagery in a way that you're capturing scenes that are surreal, are super surreal for, I think, a lot of people. What's behind the camera, you know, the magic there, but for us, it's, whoa, where are you? Yeah, yeah, it's always fun. That's super cool. So... Would you say this is life number two for you, or how many lives do you think you've lived so far? That's an interesting question because there's a very, the obvious answer to that is I would say there's two, mm -hmm. where you have my pre-injury, able-bodied, active, other career, very different body, and then you have your injury, and then you have your second 
life. But in that, I feel like in the second life, there's been so many like changes learning mm-hmm. from like like learning and perspectives that have changed in the last five like the first year you're so confused you're just trying to understand your body and then for me like around the second year you're like okay I understand how my body works now what can you do and then yeah year three and four you're just trying to figure out the what you're maybe almost like progressing Mm -hmm. your body again now there's like a little bit of flow this is what you can achieve this is where you're flowing and here's where like you're resisting like physically and getting around and mentally like yeah where where some struggles are and then like where you're flowing i totally Um, relate to that and yeah, I think like it's interesting how it feels almost like you go through this life change and then all of a sudden things almost it's like they slow down and they speed up at the same time. And you're now in this phase where major shifts, you go from acute, as you said, dealing with the changes, then into starting to work with them, then into finding flow beyond them or through them. Yeah, beyond. Yeah, through them is a good way to put it. And that's yeah, it's almost like you start to live more lives. It's a, I talk about quantum leaps with my wife, Michelle, and the idea of a quantum leap, you're collapsing a timeline. So you have a vision and you can almost get there instantaneously just by visualizing it. But in some ways, it's almost like life starts to happen in quantum leaps when it becomes more delicate or more fragile. Would you agree yeah. with that? Yeah, like these leaps and just these changes I think you make post injury it's almost maybe like when a baby's born there's so much progression and change in the first two years totally it's almost i feel like that that was almost the same for me after my injury where it's like you compare year two to year three or you're like year five to year one and you're like whoa was i really the same person yeah like it's crazy it's wild it's super wild do you feel like your relationship to mortality has changed a lot in the way you consider the grander scheme of being alive yeah that's an interesting question because very honestly and pure like before i got hurt being around the ocean and like respecting the ocean one of my biggest fears was drowning. I was like, oh man, drowning must be the worst possible way to die. And I took free diving classes and big wave surf classes and understood holding my breath to prepare for that when I was a photographer and swimming around big waves in the ocean. And then after I experienced that through my injury, that was one of my biggest fears. And I lived through a drowning situation. You kind of question your biggest fears then again. Do you have any relationship to that being your biggest fear and then experiencing it? Do you feel like you called that in some kind of way? I've thought about it and I've tried to pinpoint that because it's an irony in you when that happened. Totally. And it was honestly one of the most calming experiences of my life which makes no sense. You've you re- all, you always... remember the experience pretty vividly, like of going unconscious? Yeah, pretty vividly. I remember hitting, I remember being underwater. I remember 
that moment when you realize, oh, I need to swim to the surface. And then you go, oh, wait, I can't move. And then I literally just had a flashback to my free diving course that just tells you to remain calm. Like, I remember just, like, seeing my instructor underwater, just being, you can't do anything, just remain calm, and I need to give myself the best chance to friend to find me. You can't mentally exert your energy thinking, because that's going to just put your body in a stressful situation. And the whole thing, the whole experience was really calm, which was really weird. There was never a urge to breathe. It was just a calming experience. Wow. So did you lose consciousness at any point? I did lose consciousness and blacked out underwater. But I remember one of the symptoms of drowning when you black out underwater. I remember my free diving instructor telling me is euphoria, like after you get a few minutes. But yeah, I would say that's probably where I don't recall anything else. Wow. And then my next would be like laying on the beach with a helicopter above me oh my gosh yeah it's wild it's wild because i in some ways like i relate in some ways because when i experienced the seizure i lost control of my body and i was on my bed and i felt like i need to break this spell the only way i can do that is to fall off the bed but i couldn't really move because my body yeah. had, was out of control. But somehow, yeah. like, almost like, my brain was definitely freaking out. I'd never experienced anything like this before. And, and so it was like, somehow I did fall on the bed, but I don't remember falling off the bed. And yeah. I don't remember hitting the ground. And, yeah, I came too, but I must have passed out. I don't know. Like, it's such a funny, yeah. interesting loss of time in that experience. Yeah, because there's that, yeah, definitely, there's definitely a period that I don't remember and yeah it's unknown do you was your were you like in a mentally calm or were you i was mentally calm when i came back too because i was out of a seizure in the seizure yeah. was the scariest thing like yeah. losing control of your body like that and having it i thought i was my back was gonna break it was really arching really crazy yeah, and, yeah. it was and I just had never experienced anything like that. But to come back to consciousness, I really had to pee, which I did do. But I was like dizzy, but I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that spell is no longer controlling me, whatever that was, which I didn't know at the time. But yeah, it's an interesting kind of inflection point how a few seconds <laughs> can turn into your whole new next life iteration and just can inform yeah. so much. Like, yeah. Do you remember riding in the helicopter? I do. Yeah. I yeah, they must have given me some drugs in the helicopter because I was like making jokes and <laughs> remember telling the helicopter. I remember singing the weekend song like I can't feel my face when I'm with you. <laughs> I didn't feel my body, and I also remember telling the helicopter team how cool it was to ride in the helicopter because. I really wanted to go to Tahiti and ride in a helicopter and shoot photos that summer. But here, here I was in paralyzed in a helicopter over a mountain range in Utah. Now you fly mini helicopters and take photos. So. Yeah, now I fly mini helicopters. I haven't been to Tahiti, though, but I do want to go to Tahiti. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen for yeah. sure. I love that story that you were singing the weekend. 
That's super funny. I remember being in the ambulance, going to the hospital, and yeah, I was messing around with the folks. Although it was a little scarier because my ambulance driver was like, so you got cancer, huh? And I was like, what? I do? I didn't know that. He was the one who told you that? Yeah. It was pretty poorly handled all around. But it actually wasn't conclusive that I did. Yeah. It took a couple of weeks and a surgery to discover that I actually had it. But he certainly had no problem just blurting it out. So... Sweet. Here we go. Curious how friendship has evolved for you. You spoke a bit about getting out in the waves on a board and how that's like, and also getting back to the ocean and being amongst your community and your friends. What yeah. is what does it look like now for you in this second, third, fourth, fifth life? Yeah. Oh, I would say one of the hardest things about a spinal cord injury is your independence because you're constricted physically through the injury in a wheelchair but through that has also created new friendships and exploring where the wheelchair can go where it's not supposed to go with my friends getting off road yeah it's turned into honestly like friendship and exploring it's a group effort now it's not just me if i want to go surfing or if i want to go biking it's a group of friends or a friend that wants to go and we can all do it together that's been it's been a blessing and it's also been a hindrance honestly because it's, i can't just go by myself but that has also been a blessing because you get to make new friends through these epic adaptive communities and my friends that I knew before I got hurt and they still want to support me and go biking or go surfing and, or go skiing and all these things. So it's been rad. Like you can't ever, never expected it, but yeah. it's, it, yeah, it is a new relationship with your friends learning early on. We're all learning what I can do. Like I, I got this adaptive mountain bike. That's epic. And it's been by far my favorite adaptive sport. I went to Canada and rode some downhill trails up there. And then I went to Colorado, rode out there, right here in Hawaii. Sweet. But it, yeah, it, it is. You are learning with your friends and the friendship. We have this epic adventure. We wanted to try this new trail, but we weren't sure how it was going to work with, because my bike has two wheels in the front, one in the back. And so it's a little wider than a regular bike and mm -hmm. so single track and everything and there is this little cliff we ended up being my bike barely fit it seemed like there's four stack rocks on the side kind of holding my left wheel and then off the left wheel was a little 20 foot something drop into a river <laughs> oh my, <God. laughs> my friends on the left side of the bike keep me stable i'm trying to give it a little gas to make it through the section we're just trying to go real slow because you don't want to not go the wrong way and it's rocky and bumpy and like those experiences with friends are a new experience that i probably wouldn't experience without my injury it's crazy yeah <laughs> pushing your luck but sounds pretty yeah, amazing like, yeah I wish I would have had a GoPro for that trail. It was a little too skinny, but it was pretty fun. There's a couple things coming up. Burning Man's coming up at the end of the summer, as it always does. And there's one principle at Burning Man, which is radical self-reliance. And it reminds me a little bit of a conversation I was having with a younger dude this past weekend. I was at my brother-in-law's bachelor party, future brother-in-law. And 
he was talking about how his family really taught him to learn that he could really only trust himself and that he needed to learn how to be independent and take care of himself and know that he could fall back on himself. And I think that's something we're often taught as boys and men that we need, we shouldn't show weakness or we should be able to take care of our stuff and be able to look after ourselves. And I know for me, when I early on, when I got sick and was diagnosed, I had some hairy nights where I felt like I was going to have another seizure and I was pretty scared. And there was one night in particular where I had just been with a buddy and I left his place and was heading back to my place and was just starting to feel a little uneasy and maybe I was going to have another seizure. And I called him and said, hey man, would you be willing to come over? Like, just stay here for a little while. I'm nervous. And he came right over. And as soon as I hung up the phone, I just broke down in tears. Because I hadn't really asked for help like that before. And imagine what you're explaining about friendship. This sounds like something that is now very common for you to do in order to enjoy the things you want to do. And I'm curious, was that challenging for you to get comfortable or get used to, or is it uncomfortable still to, to ask people to support and help? Yeah, I would say that it, it is tough to get used to that. And it still is a struggle sometimes because you don't want to be a burden. You don't want to over ask. And yeah, you are taught to be strong, independent, male yeah but at the same time it's you know what like how do you get through this together and how do you ask and how do you like how can you precipitate like in my situation like how do you how can we all be better through this if i do if we are doing things as a team how can it all be enjoyable for us or how can so it's not just like an ask ask all the time that's how i try to look at it yeah and i also but, think like that I don't know. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just want to think, I think it proves like there's a myth in that notion that you should be self-reliant. Yeah. Isn't there no, strength in getting comfortable right. with this? Because like most of the time, yeah, when you are asking a friend for the first time, oh, you want to do this? Or can you help me with that? It's, oh, do I really want to do it. You're like, you kind of look back at yourself and then, and they're like, oh yeah, like hundred percent, let's do this. Or, I'll help you. Or a lot of people are willing to help and they're stoked to help and it does it is a gift to be able to be the one helped too yeah like you can stoke other people out by asking them for help as well it's crazy it's crazy and i yeah. think that's where we get stuck like sometimes like, i could see myself not asking out of a sense of not wanting to be a burden and then not even experiencing the mountain biking or the surfing because of that. Yeah. And getting over that hurdle of being able to ask and then making it an adventure for all and realizing there's actually so much joy in that collaborative, in that team, it just reaffirms the interconnectedness and the nature of deep friendship. And totally. And, and that is not to say there aren't people that take advantage of that or abuse that or sometimes don't actually need help, but ask for it. But I think there's something really powerful in, in especially when we're taught not to ask for help or taught to be self-sufficient, that when it comes up and there's real moments of need or even just potential for joy, like we can team up and get there together. And it's so, I don't know, it's better. Life is better that way, I think. Yeah, like I just want to bring up, like even in the sense of my creativity and photography now, I've done trips to shoot 
some of those abstract aerial photos where it is me and a friend mm -hmm. and if it wasn't for my friend going with me probably wouldn't be the smartest or safest thing to do right <laughs> or get there but through that experience of being in a situation where i need to travel with a friend somewhere into the back country we get to create those memories together as a team like, those are additional memories to the photos because so many like photography can be like a solo endeavor and so through my injury I do get to travel with a friend into the backcountry and have fun and we get to experience that together and that's a joy as well as a team and asking for help so if you're like let's go do this adventure totally that's an interesting thing that's coming up for me what what I know of your work before your injury is that a lot of it was actually shooting action sports and like people in action totally so your subjects were people but what you're saying is that experience maybe felt more individual whereas now your subject is nature but you're doing it in partnership with others often and it's more connected it doesn't feel so alone is that what you're saying yeah i it's yeah that sounds about right but it's yeah, it has allowed me to just to, it feels like, it, yeah, it does feel like a team to create my work now, put it that way. And like also, it was like, you gotta just go do it. And now it's okay, like, it's a team. There's something about that, but also the subject being the environment, mm -hmm. where it's almost like being amongst others, even if it's doing an activity and not shooting being amongst others engaging in nature creates these incredible memories, this incredible relationship with nature. Again, going back to how we started this conversation that yeah. is very different than being on your own, I think. Totally. Yeah. Like I just did this trip through Utah and Arizona and the desert shooting images and I got to travel with two really good friends through the thing through the journey and share that and just be isolated off the grid for 24 48 hours sometimes and yeah those are yeah it's just like bonding experiences and it would definitely be a different experience if you're alone and I think about that sometimes when I'm out shooting mm -hmm. so if I could walk where would I be <laughs> you know like how would I shoot this it's still like a natural thought or like, if a friend wasn't here where would I be those thoughts but then at the same time get to enjoy your friends out off the grid no self-service conversations and camping in nature there's nothing more healing than that yeah and you also do have in some individual mobility right you're driving and you can get around yeah. in, in, a, in a bunch of ways on your own. Do you see that increasing over time where, you know, down the line as technologies change or just as you continue to grow, you'll do more things on your own? I drive, I live alone. I'm pretty much independent like, yeah. through daily life. But then when it comes to shooting photos or an adventure, I'll probably, probably always kind of need someone unless someone makes a robot that can dig a car out of the sand. Just happens, that, happens too often. That did happen on our trip. And I don't know if that technology is coming, but like that, the, those are the, a couple of the things where it's, you know, like flat tire in the middle of the desert with no cell service, 
probably don't want to be there alone. Yeah, you like to bite off a big risk, Orion. You really have an eye for going after the danger and seeing how far you can push it. Yeah, it's a. would say it's a blessing and a curse. It makes sense to to keep friends close by, so you don't have to. Yeah, yeah you don't have to worry about going through it alone, especially. Yeah, in precarious cliffs and sand dunes and things like that. I'd just be curious, actually, what your priorities, your life priorities really are now. Like, where do you focus? My North Star right now is take care of my body and stay creative. I would say those are my two North Stars and, like, wherever those lead me. But those are the two things that, I think about it. I need to keep my upper body in shape because if I'm not healthy in that realm, then I'm not going to be able to get around daily life or creatively. Right. Oh, and then creative wise, it's pushing myself in new directions, but whether it's photography or filmmaking, wherever that leads me. Yeah. Do you stay up on kind of new technology in the drone world and what's available to you to create images? Yeah, I would say drone technology is, I keep up on it, but I'm not like a full nerd on it. Like (laughs) every time a new drone comes out, I'm like, oh man, they did better again. And then, yeah, it's, I don't want to say it's plateaued because who knows what they're going to make, but I'm stoked on the technology right now. Like, I just got a new uh, DJI, came out with a new drone last year. I have a Mavic 3 Pro for all you drone people out there. Uh, got a lot of drone I, fans in the audience. Actually give, it's actually given me a lot of independence to go shoot alone because it's small. I can pick it up. I can set it up. When I'm here in Maui, I can go shoot by myself in the mornings and the evenings. Sweet. And before... There was a bigger inspired drone. So they're bigger, more cinematic tire production drone. I have one of those as well, mm-hmm. but I can't set that one up by myself. But this new smaller drone creates enough quality images that almost competes with that big drone now. That bigger drone came out three or four years ago. Yeah. So it's just amazing how like the technology, the camera sizes have just like shrunk. And now I can have a backpack and drive down to the beach or drive up to the mountains and shoot that. So that is cool in the drone technology sense because I couldn't do that really right when I got hurt. It's really cool. And it makes me think about the intersection of art and accessibility. Are there other art practices that you found you gravitate toward these days or other things that you do creatively or actively that are accessible for you? It's pretty much always in the photo realm. Yeah. I'll edit projects, like video projects and but uh, yeah, I've, I don't, yeah, I'm a photo video. Yeah, <laughs> you've been that for a while. I get it. I get it. Yeah. So what you were saying about focusing your North Stars on health and on, on strength and on creativity, it gets me thinking a lot about love. And I don't want to connect the dots completely for you, but I'm curious yeah. what love means to you. Like, how do you define love in your life? Love. That's a tough one because I would say early on in my injury, you're like, I used to love all these physical aspects of like surfing and photography, like they're taken from you. And so you question it. And then love now, it's just 
almost like smaller things that enjoy and I love these little moments and like my friends and nature and it's it has changed a little bit like it's yeah it's you don't need as much I loved surfing before and yeah it was like adrenaline of love and you set your like your life around it and then now it's like oh like I still love the ocean I still love nature and it's almost like gotten broader. Like it sounds like diverse. it's gotten broader, but it also sounds like you've also become more sensitive to the nuances, like the little details in, in connecting with nature with other people. Totally. Do you still feel like you're grieving that first life? Yeah, I'd say you always look back a little bit. Yeah. It's there's always like a piece of it that's there. Mm-hmm. You can't. I don't expect that to change. But but yeah, there's yeah. I'd say there's always like a little bit of grieving and there's always a little bit of loss that are like a part of you. If you see photos of yourself yeah. before you get hurt, you know, it's like very easy to just be like, oh yeah, that guy, that's me, that's my ex me. <laughs> my ex me. <laughs> yeah, dude, I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever catch yourself in the mirror and you're like, who's this guy? Or is it, have you gotten used to your reflection? I had an acupuncturist really early on in the hospital who saw me look in the mirror once and she was like, you're still the same. You could tell I was and sad. And that was an interesting moment for me. But yeah, there is always grieving a little bit. I, yeah, I don't expect to not grieve a little bit because it's, it's, yeah, it's my history. You still want to, it's still part of me. Absolutely. Do you feel like there's some wisdom that's come through that you are able to synthesize? Are you able to articulate some of the things you've gained or maybe it's even through grieving or just through these multiple lives? Do you feel like you have kind of something that you've taken away that you carry with you or that you can share at this moment? I think about that and I really don't. I just think overall, like what I've learned is the human, humans are pretty, we're able to adapt really yeah. well. Yeah through a spinal cord injury or there's so many people with different disabilities that have adapted and that I look to for inspiration and you're like, wow, that's amazing. I do that. And I look back on my five years and while I've changed so much and adapted and learned how to do so much that I didn't totally see myself doing. You don't see yourself doing it until you do it. And then at the same time, I would say wisdom is like, you like your yourself is your biggest limitation of what you want to do whether it's like asking your friends for help because you want to go bike or it's like how you see yourself and your perspective of going through an injury if you tell yourself you can't do something you're definitely not going to do it but if you try a little bit then you at least have a chance and you'll learn through trying whether that's in a creative practice or a physical practice or it's just daily you have to try something a new way or do something different to, to learn totally have you found yourself building relationships with others who've had spinal cord injuries or use wheelchairs or do you find yourself spending that spending time in that community or with others there or more so with friends that you've had for many lives yeah it's both i would say you meet someone and you connect 
and they have a spinal cord injury. There's like a weird connection to it. You're like, oh, you, you've dealt with a lot of the same stuff that I've dealt with that I get you on some levels. And so I've made some epic friends through that. And then even recently I've hung out with a couple amputee friends at a bike race this last weekend, met a new friend. He's an amputee. We can relate on some levels on that sense of physical disability and just like adapting and overcoming and figuring it all out. Totally. But, but yeah, it's opened up a new community of people to connect with. And then in Maui, I have one homie here who's in a wheelchair. Yeah. He's one of my favorite persons to hang out with and kick it. And we'll go biking together and try to do different things. And That's awesome. I think we're going to try to go. Up. He has a Hobie tandem kayak with a sail. Oh, so cool. We might try to do like a little sailing mission. That I was like, oh, we should take it out and do a double paralyzed downwind run <laughs> yes we'll be a sailing team <laughs> that's cool that sounds fun have you dipped your toes into any of the like kind of rights and justice work around folks and who are disabled by society or any of that kind of more political side or activism side or not so much i haven't there i think there's people who are way more knowledgeable on disability rights than me. Yeah. I don't know that much, but I just think getting outside and interacting with your community is like a great way to show our presence as well. To get amongst it. Yeah. Yeah. I find your continued presence creatively and athletically, it just be so like so inspiring. And the fact that you're living out in Maui and back by the water and just enjoying nature and community is like just really, yeah, it's super inspiring and it really warms my heart and makes me feel proud to be your friend. Thanks, Ethan. Yeah, dude. I just, I, I love the work you're creating and the story that you're drawing with every day. It's, I know in response to the wisdom question, it may not feel like there's a ton that's coming through, but just in almost the forced changes that we, have adapted to or the resilience of our bodies or the sensitivity that we develop to take in more nuances around love or around connection that shows in your work and it shows in how you live you don't even have yeah. to speak to it so i just want to acknowledge that thanks dude yeah thanks for talking to me this has been fun and it's great to hear your voice and and you haven't we haven't seen each other in person for a little while but everybody listening Go to orionowens.com, buy all the work. He's got an amazing book as well. You have one book or multiple at this point? I have one book right now and then a new body of work coming out soon that I worked over in the summer. I'm excited to share. Amazing. Awesome. Yeah, follow Orion and you'll see the brilliance that we're talking about. And any closing words or thoughts or questions or things you want to share before we say goodbye i can't wait to see you soon Ethan, in yeah, person absolutely it's been, too- it's been an age and now knowing you're in maui if i make it back out in the near term i'll be seeing you but you always got That'd a spot be- here in la perfect yeah dude awesome have a beautiful weekend and i'll talk to you soon thanks Ethan. Right. thank you peace Thanks for listening to Life Changes from Love Extremist Radio. 
Don't forget to share this episode and leave a review if it resonates. Your support helps us grow. Make sure you DM me at Ethan Lipsitz once you leave that review for some free goodies and sign up for our newsletter at www.ourlifechanges.co. Peace.